All right, turn in your Bibles, please, tonight to the 53rd Psalm, which we have read. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Our Father in heaven, as we come now to thy holy and inerrant word, we'd ask that thou wilt uh, take the things of thy truth, and that thou wilt apply them to our hearts, cleanse us from our sins, be with thy servant, anoint him with that special unction that comes alone from thee, and challenge our hearts as we consider the cause of Jesus Christ and the enemies that are abounding on every hand in these dark and evil days. For Christ's sake we ask it. Amen. Last spring in New York City, many of us from this church under the leadership of our pastor uh, went up to New York City to give a counter-protest to those that had gathered in the city of New York uh, to protest the Vietnam War. And as we realize, our congressional committees had already identified the uh, leadership behind that mass mobilization as being communist conspired. And the papers told us that there were something like, well, anywhere from 100 to 300,000 people gathered in New York at that time uh, to give this united protest against our government's involvement in Vietnam. And you'll recall, many of you here in the church and listening over the radio, our pastor gave a a very vivid description, both in the church and over the radio, uh, uh, over what happened on that occasion. But I would just like to remind you a little bit about that tonight and, and give you my own feelings on it at least. The thing that made the most tremendous impression on me was... Uh, After we had been there some time, we heard a little stirring in the background in the distance, and it uh, got a little stronger and stronger. And then all at once, we saw up the street coming this vast multitude and throng of people, and I should judge there were anywhere from uh, 3,000 to 4,000 people walking clear across about 20 abreast down the middle of the street. Uh, They had their banners and their flags, and as they got about a block away, we could hear what they were saying. And as they came down the street singing their songs and then shouting their slogans, this is what they were saying together. Hell no, we won't go. Hell no, we won't go. Hell no, we won't go. And as they got closer, we could see the pictures and the flags that they were carrying. And we saw the picture of Lenin. We saw the picture of Castro. We saw the flags of the Viet Cong. North Vietnamese, we saw the flag, the communist flag of Russia and of Cuba. Here were communists, militant communists, on the march, on the march for their cause. Now that made an impression on me, beloved, because this vast throng, by and large, I would say 98% at least, were young people, college age high school age young people enlisted under the banner of communism. Well, our job was to picket and to offer a protest, of course, and also to distribute literature, and we had a vast quantity of literature. And uh, I'll be quite frank to admit to you that I don't particularly like that type of thing. Some people uh, might think that I do, but I really don't. And uh, I took my station uh, up the street there where I thought would be a strategic place with my literature, and and I started handing out uh, the various pieces of literature. We had uh, different things uh, concerning Nicodem and and, uh, beacons concerning Nicodem, and and, uh, uh, we want victory in Vietnam, and Dr. McIntyre's little tract on why Christians should fight communism. And so we were handing this out uh, rather timidly, and And uh, we noticed that most of the people walked by, well, they didn't want it. They didn't want it. And so then we'd say, well, uh, let's win in Vietnam or or why Christians should fight communism or something. And after they'd got, oh, oh, you mean you're against this protest? Oh, yes, we're against this uh, anti-Vietnam war. We're protesting the protesters. Oh, well, give it to me then. Give it to me. And most of the people would take our literature. 
in fact, I think that I gave away more literature that day than, uh, well, we gave it all away. That's all. We ran out. Well, as I say, uh, I was a little timid at first, and, uh, but then the opposition came up to us, and, and we'd have these confrontations, and, and uh, uh, we'd get these various things, and one man said, oh, uh, you're a warmonger, uh, uh, and you call yourself Christian. Oh, how disgusting. Don't you know the Bible says, thou shalt not kill? I said, that's right, the Bible does say thou shalt not kill. What it means is that thou shalt not commit murder. And the greatest murder the world has ever seen is communism. Communism has murdered and slaughtered, multiplied millions of people that have walked the face of this earth. Well, I need not tell you that as uh, the battle got a little hotter and a little hotter, and after I was cursed a few times and spat upon once, I began, began to get a little bolder. And the first thing you know, why, I was out there preaching, and I made no apologies for it. We want victory in Vietnam. Let's win the war in Vietnam. Why Christians should fight communism? And we had a good time. In New York City, we met militant communists. Militant communists, and I was impressed by that. But last Sunday, Sunday afternoon, when we traveled out to York, Pennsylvania, to join in the picket and the protest against the coming of Metropolitan uh, Nicodem in the garments of the clergy being brought here by the Brethren Church to be paraded around the country, I didn't get to talk to Nicodem himself. I didn't get to go into the press conference. But I did talk to others there. Uh, they let four of our party go in from the Christian Beacon. Well, I was number five. Mr. Reynolds was number six. So we stood by the door. And uh, we had inter interesting conversations with the man that was the keeper of the door, a member and an officer, I think, of the church, and others that came along. And we, we got into nice conversations. And, and this man that kept the door uh, particularly impressed me, I guess perhaps because he looked so much like uh, a very dear uncle of mine, a uh, young, young man, intelligent, very clean cut, neat, and uh, we began to talk over this problem, and of course, naturally, they were a little tense and, and irritated, uh, although they did uh, act sweetly uh, under the circumstances. But uh, you know what this man's attitude was? He said, well, there's nothing wrong with having this man in our pulpit. Uh, I'll listen to him, and if there's anything wrong with what he says, I'll be able to tell. And I won't pay any attention to it, you see. That was his attitude. It doesn't hurt you to listen. Well, we asked this man, well, uh, dear friend, uh, uh, does your pastor ever have the chief gangster in the city of York up in your pulpit? And do you come to church to listen to the chief gangster? Or to the uh, chief prostitute in town? When are you having her to come up and preach from your pulpit? Oh, well, no, we'd never do that. Well, how silly. How silly. And, of course, as he went on talking about, well, there was nothing wrong with this, and he wanted to listen, nothing wrong with opening your pulpit up to this man, and so forth. Uh, they wanted to get all sides, you know, and so on and so forth. So I asked the dear man, I said, well, uh, sir, uh, uh, when have you scheduled Dr. McIntyre to preach in your pulpit? Oh, well, uh, yeah, he didn't think that they would have Dr. McIntyre. In New York City, we met militant communists. In York, we met Metropolitan Nicodem and those who have been deceived by him. And frankly, I'm not sure which frightens me the most. The militant, all-out communist are those who have named the name of Christ and call themselves Christians. Those who proclaim to be, believe the Bible as the word of God. Those who, be claimed, who claim to be serving the Son of God. Those who claim to be patriotic, loyal Americans. And those who are completely duped and deceived concerning the communist program to take over this land, yea, to take over the world. I say, I don't know which frightens me the most. You say, well, what does that have to do with tonight's message? Well, there are many factors involved, but I believe this is a very important issue. 
And what makes it more important is the indifference and the ignorance that I see on every hand and on the behalf of Christians. Ignorance, indifference, unconcerned about what's going on in the world today, and particularly in this area of communism. And so I've chosen tonight, I know what Dr. McIntyre would be preaching on if he were here with Nicodem in the country, and I've never preached a message like this since I've had the opportunity to preach to, to you people, and so I've decided to preach tonight on this message, Why Christians Must Fight Communism. Now, you know that Dr. McIntyre has produced this tract. He's giving it away this week, I think, again, on why Christians should fight communism. And uh, I've just changed it a little bit. Why Christians must fight communism. It's all right if I get a little stronger than the pastor, isn't it, once in a while? And uh, we've just taken many of the thoughts and ideas that he assembled here, and we've, we've lined them up under three heads. And combined with the scriptures that we have there, and what we find in Psalm 53, I think that we can find three reasons why Christians must fight communism. And I trust that you young people tonight will listen carefully, because in a very few years this is going to be your battle. Most of us, many of us, will have passed on, and if the Lord tarries, you're going to be involved in this struggle against communism even more than any of us ever have been. But three reasons, then, why we must fight communism. First of all, because of its philosophy. Secondly, because of its program, and thirdly, because of its opponent, its foe. Christians must fight communism because of its philosophy. It's difficult to imagine a more strikingly accurate description of communism than what we read here in this psalm. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, they have done abominable iniquity, there is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We must fight communism because of its philosophy. Communism is atheistic dialectical materialism. Communism, beloved, first of all, denies God. It denies the existence of any god. When this uh, Soviet cosmonaut went around the world, around the uh, uh, earth here some time ago, a year or so ago, he got up there and, oh, he came back to earth with the glowing report. He knew. If he never knew before, now he knew there was no god. Why? Well, because he was up there in the skies and he didn't see any evidence of god at all. How sad. How foolish. How silly. But communism denies the existence of God. It is an attack upon God. And the Christian must maintain the honor and the dignity and the glory of the living God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But not only does communism deny God, but communism denies the Christ of Scripture. Oh, to be sure, they won't deny Christ anymore because they've found that they can use his name to their own advantage. But when it comes to the revelation that God has given us of Jesus Christ in his word, the communists deny the Christ of the Scriptures. In the <clears throat> scrapbook that Dr. McIntyre put out on communist China a couple of years ago, uh, actually, he just reproduces a, a portion of the brief that he gave in 1935 before the Presbytery, uh, showing the uh, departure from the faith of the Board of Foreign Missions of the Presbyterian Church of the USA. And he quoted in there uh, the dean of the Yenching University, Dr. L.C. Wu. And listen to what this Chinese doctor, professor at the Presbyterian School in Yenching had to say about Jesus Christ. Remember, this is a Christian institution supported by Christian money, Presbyterian, Methodist, and Congregationalist. Dr. Wu wrote in the Chinese Recorder for August 1934, I am of the opinion that economically Jesus advocated the abolition of the system of private property and the adoption of the public possession of all things. Now that's communism, dear friend. And this man, this ordained minister teaching young people, is put, teaching communism in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, he goes on with several other things along that nature, but uh, uh, the parable of the rich man and the beggar, Lazarus tells us of the unequal distribution of wealth 
and that such a state of affairs should not exist in human society. End quote. Again, I read you this. Dr. Wu writes, Jesus was not in favor of the existence of the family system. How do you like that, mother? How do you like that, dad? Jesus was not in favor of the family system. He used a parable of a woman in labor thus, when a woman is in labor, she is sorry for her time has come. But when the child is born, she remembers her anguish no longer for joy that a human being has been born into the world. He did not say that a human being had been born into the family, but that he had been born into the world. Apparently, Jesus used this parable offhand, which indicates that he did not favor the family system. Hence, in the new society, it may not be necessary to preserve this system, end quote. Not necessary, according to the teachings of Jesus, to preserve the family system. And so when communism did take over in China, the family system was put away. And the commune system was introduced. All of this, mind you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now that's denying the Christ of the word of God, dear friend. That's denying the Savior and Lord who has bought you and me with his own precious blood and given us certain commandments concerning the family and the home. Well, communism denies, denies the Christ of the scripture. You remember last spring when our synod met out in Portland, Oregon in May, uh, and there was this uh, man who had a press conference at the same time just in the providence of God, this man by the name of Kruger who had been uh, had infiltrated the communist movement uh, as an agent, uh, counter-spy for the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and he came out with his uh, press conference, and he identified church organizations, ministers, and church individuals who were communists and who were doing the work of the communists. And you remember that student, the president of Portland State College, Joe Uris, he identified as a communist. And he said, the Portland Council of Churches affiliated with the National Council, was a part of doing the work of the communist conspiracy. Communism using the church, denying the Christ of the scriptures. Well, you know, John Calvin wrote in his book that even a dog will bark when his master is attacked. And so I believe that the word of God teaches us that Christians must fight communism. Christians must expose this iniquity. Christians must stand up and be counted for Jesus Christ and against Karl Marx. Even a dog will bark when his master is attacked. But how many Christians there are today who won't open their mouth when Jesus Christ and his blessed teachings are perverted, such as the communists are doing? May I read for you, please, a statement that I've taken from the a uh, book written by Sir Robert An Anderson, uh, published in 1899. Now, I don't know whether you know Sir Robert Anderson or not, but uh, he was the man who uh, would be the equivalent in America to J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, Robert Anderson was the man who made Scotland Yard one of the finest investigative bodies and police bodies in the world. Sir Robert Anderson uh, was the one who developed Scotland Yard. But Sir Robert Anderson was also a dedicated, devout Christian. He's written several books, uh, edifying books, uh, concerning uh, Bible themes. He's written an especially good book on the book of Daniel. He was a premillennialist and, and uh, just a fine uh, Christian. But in this book, uh, which incidentally is written uh, concerning the issues back in 1899, if you please, it is called The Buddha of Christendom. The Buddha of of Christendom, and his theme was the same that, uh, that our pastor has been setting forth of the apostasy within the house of God. But would you listen, please, as I just read a small portion of this extract that I have concerning this matter of Christians standing up for Jesus Christ and opposing that which is contrary to the word of God. <clears throat> the position maintained by the martyrs was no mere negation of the false. It was a testimony to the true. The Christian converts of early days turned from idols to serve the living and true God. The martyrs of later days turned from the church that they might be loyal to Christ. So it must ever be. 
There can be no loyalty to the king without denouncing the pretender. Loyalty to Christ implies the repudiation of what is false to Christ. Christendom being what it is, every true Christian is of necessity and in the nature of things a protestant, a protestant if you please. Loyalty to Christ demands that we expose and we denounce those that are against Christ. And if you think there's any other way to be a Christian, you just don't know your Bible, my friend. And you have been misled and deceived by some of these who are seeking to serve their own belly and not our Lord Jesus. Don't think that you can go out and preach a positive gospel. Don't think that you can go out and ignore the enemies of Christ. Don't think that you can go out and ignore this issue of communism and think that you're serving the Lord. Because you cannot be loyal to Jesus Christ without denouncing those who are opposing our Savior. Christians must fight against communism because it denies our precious Lord and Savior. But not only does communism deny God and deny Jesus Christ, but communism denies the very nature of man. The very nature of man. <clears throat> the philosophy of communism is completely and totally materialistic humanism. Materialistic humanism. And for that reason, communism is an enemy to freedom. It is the total enemy of freedom. And yet the Christian must be the chief champion of liberty. You remember on our Liberty Bell over there in Philadelphia, our fathers had engraved that verse of scripture found in the 25th chapter of Leviticus, the 10th verse. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and unto the inhabitants thereof. Beloved, liberty is based in the book of God. And we have enjoyed freedom and liberty in this country, dear friend, because our fathers honored those principles that God gave us and revealed to us in his commandments. In the 119th Psalm, the, 44th, the 45th verse, we read, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Oh, beloved, you can't walk in liberty unless you are seeking the precepts of God. But if you, deserve, if you desire liberty, you must observe and honor these precepts that God has given us. Only Christ can give us liberty. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, he said, ye shall be free indeed. And apart from Jesus Christ, there is no liberty. How much more should we who know him, how much more should we who have been washed in his precious blood be on the firing line, be on the battlefront for the cause of liberty in these days when liberty is under such assault? Well... Communism denies the nature of man. Not only is it an enemy of freedom, but it's a system of total slavery, of total and complete slavery. In 1 John 2.18, we read, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby ye know that it is the last time. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation? The 13th chapter of the book of Revelation. We're saying that communism is total slavery. It enslaves man and makes him a machine of the system. And as we read the book of God in Revelation concerning the things that are come to pass just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ in glory with his saints whom he has previously come and raptured from off the earth. In that 13th chapter, we have the description of the beast and this power that is to come. Beginning in the fourth verse, notice, And they worshipped the, worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Doesn't that sound to you like communism, dear friend? I don't know if this is communism. I'm just saying that the similarity is so striking that you can hardly avoid it. You can hardly ignore it. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Well, I'm afraid many of the saints don't realize that they're in war. But I can assure you the communists realize they're at war and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him 
whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Oh, if any man have an ear, let him hear. Communism denies that man has a soul. It's strictly a humanistic, materialistic system. He denies that man is a spirit, soul being. In Matthew 10, 28, we read, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. But communism says man has no soul, so therefore they give no consideration and have no care, whatever, of any kind of morality. And for that reason, not only does communism deny the nature of man, but it denies the Christian ethic. The end justifies the mean. We read that in the third verse of our 53rd Psalm. Every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Oh, beloved, we could go on and go on and go on with the things that communism denies in its atheistic philosophical system in its attack against God. But we must move on. Communist, Christians must not only fight communism because of its philosophy, but it must... They must fight communism because of its program. Not alone is communism an evil system of belief, a philosophy, a religion, if you please, but it has a certain declared program which it is carrying out for the world. It has a program of economics in the first place, an economical program which is contrary to the word of God. We read in the fourth verse, Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread? They have not called on God. They have not called on God. And therefore, God is not in any of their thoughts when they come to think of an economic system. And so they have a system of pure socialism. The distribution of the wealth, the common ownership of all things, which is a denial of the word of God. Did you realize that? Well, of course, I don't have to tell you that in this church. You have been taught these things. But very basic in our whole understanding of the free, free enterprise system in America, beloved, is the fact that that system is based on the command of God. The command of God says, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. That's individual. That's private. That presupposes that you have the right to own something. I have the right to own something. I will not steal from you and you will not steal from me. Furthermore, the state, the government, will not steal from either one of us in the name of 51% of the majority. And that's socialism, beloved. That's socialism. When the representatives of the people, by a majority vote, decide that they'll take your uh, property through the uh, confiscatory income tax, for instance, and through some of these other means. But that's a transgression of the Eighth Commandment, which says, Thou shalt not steal. Communism has a system of economics, and now, of course, they're pushing very hard their program of peaceful coexistence. Peaceful coexistence. This is the tactic that communism is using to capture state after state after state in this old world. When we were in New York City last spring, there was a very interesting exhibit. I'm glad to say that there were many, many out opposing the communists, protesting the communists. We were the only Christian group, to my knowledge, but there were many anti-communist organizations, and we hadn't been there too long till I noticed a very clever way of giving a protest. We were having our demonstration on this particular corner, uh, right across from the United Nations Square there, and I noticed driving slowly, coming up around the corner, was this huge uh, uh, trailer truck. And it had a tremendous sign on the radiator, you could see it from the distance, and I'm sorry to say I forgot to write it down, so consequently I've forgotten what it said, but I do remember it made an impression on me. <laughs> But what I want to tell you about now is, is that as that truck made its turn and came down the street slowly on which we were standing, it had a long trailer bed, a long trailer bed. And on that flatbed, we saw several mounds of dirt. 
And then over the dirt they had some green stuff, made it look like grass. And on the top of each mound were tombstones. And do you know what was written on the tombstones? Over it was the, was the overall theme of peaceful coexistence. And on these tombstones there was written, I've forgotten the number, I think there were 16 of them, Estonia, 1941, Latvia, 1941, Lithuania, 1941, Romania, Germany, East Germany, Yugoslavia, Albania, China, 1948, Cuba, and then the last, so you get the point, don't you? These were the victims of peaceful coexistence. The communist program of peaceful coexistence. But the startling thing was the last tombstone. Do you know what it said? U.S.A. Question mark. What is there in history? What is there in experience? What is there in the word of God that would cause us to think that if we follow the program of peaceful coexistence as set forth by the communist which has brought to this to the grave so many nations of the world, what is there to make us believe that we shall not come to that last grave marked USA? Peaceful coexistence is the tactic which the communists are using. You remember that psalm that Dr. Richter likes to quote so much? Dr. McIntyre has, has uh, picked it up in the uh, 28th, uh, 28th psalm, the uh, fourth verse it is. Uh, Draw me not away with the workers of iniquity. You remember that scripture? Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their heart. And I have marked in my Bible September 1959. I think that was uh, Khrushchev. That was when Khrushchev came, and this was the scripture that Charlie Richter gave on the broadcast, if you remember then. Draw me not away with the wicked, with the workers of iniquity that speak peace to their neighbor, but mischief is in their heart. Oh, dear friend, the communists are using this program of peace, 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 peaceful coexistence to bring you and to bring me into utter and total slavery. And what about these little children? What about those young people that are so precious in your sight? How do you like to conceive and think of what happened in Cuba a few years ago when all the children were marched down to the communist school, when all the children were ripped out of their mother's arms and placed in the communist school to be taught atheism? No more Christianity, no more gospel, no nothing but communism, Marxism, from the cradle to the grave. How about it, Dad? How about it, Mom? Are you ready to have them take your young person? Are you ready to have them take these sweet boys and these girls from this choir loft and bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of Karl Marx? I tell you, you better wake up. You better wake up. Communism is out to destroy this world. Communism is out to capture this nation. Communism has sworn to bury you and me and all that we hold dear. And Christian people are sitting at ease in Zion tonight sitting at ease in Zion tonight. Oh, have you moms and you dads, have you grandparents been on your knees before God crying out in confession of your sin, in the confession of the sins of this nation? Have you been busy out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you been out giving out the tracts why Christians should fight communism? Or have you become so used to this message that it doesn't mean anything more to you in this church? Oh, God help us, dear friend. The enemy of Jesus Christ is on the march. And it's later than you think. Communism has a system of peaceful coexistence. And this system is being used to bring the world into the communist orbit. But would you contrast the system of peaceful coexistence that the communists use with that of God's 
idea, God's view of peace, I turn to the 57th chapter of Isaiah, and I read in the 20th verse, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. When will you wake up, dear friend? When will America wake up? There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There is no peace as far as communism is concerned. It's just a tactic of warfare to bring into captivity and to bring into defeat those that it wishes to capture. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And if you're here tonight, dear friend, the scripture applies to you individually. Without Jesus Christ, there is no peace for you. And you know what I'm saying is true in your soul. No peace as you go to bed. No peace as you get up in the morning. No peace as you go to work and spend your day on the job. No peace when you come home at night. Oh, you wrap yourself up in a round of activities and you forget. You like to cause your mind to forget that there's no peace in your heart. You're without Christ. You're without God. You're without hope in the world. And there's no peace in the grave, dear friend. There's no peace in the grave for the one who has rejected Jesus Christ and his gospel of mercy. But what is God's program of peace? Oh, I'll tell you what God's program is, dear friend. And it's as different as day from night. From black is from white. From the communist program of peace. And you can find that in the first chapter of the fifth chapter of the, God, of the book of Romans, the first verse. And you Christians know it. Being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's God's peace program. Here's God's peace program for you, dear friend. It's through Jesus Christ and faith in him. He hath made peace through the blood of his cross. He is our peace, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only place that there can be found any peace. But the communists deny Jesus Christ. The communists hate Jesus Christ. And that's why Christians must fight communism. Because of its program of economics. Because of its program of, of complete and total domination and control of, of individuals. Because of its murder, its extermination, its terrorism of millions, dear friend. Do you realize, as I've mentioned already, that... Communism has destroyed, multiplied millions. There's no estimating the souls, the bodies that have been destroyed and killed by communism. They're the greatest murders that the world has ever known. And Khrushchev made his mark in the communist system by being the butcher of the Ukraine, the one who went down there and brought that revolting part of the Soviet Union to its knees, and he used the method of starvation, slow starvation, and I think the figure was something like 8 million people who lost their lives in, in uh, the Ukraine. And think of China behind the bamboo curtain, the multiplied millions who have been destroyed. Oh, dear friend, communism must be opposed because of its murder, its program of economics, its program of complete and total control. But communism has a program of religion, too, as you well know. And communism must be fought and opposed because of its religious program, which blocks Christians from obeying the great commission of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has commanded you and I to go out into all the world and to preach this glorious gospel to every creature. But communism forbids you to preach the gospel. Tonight, you and I are not preaching the gospel in China. None of our missionaries are in China. Tonight, none of our missionaries are in Russia. Tonight, none of our missionaries are in Lithuania or Estonia or Latvia. Tonight, none of our missionaries that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ are in Cuba. Communism forbids us from obeying Jesus Christ. And if we had no other reason, that would be sufficient to fight communism. And on the other hand, we have the problem which we've alluded to over and over again of the uh, communist subversion and use of the church. And in Ephesians 5.11, we read that we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather uh, reprove them, rather expose them, as the uh, Greek has it. But uh, we aren't doing much of that, not many besides Dr. McIntyre and a few others. And I picked up and read again this uh, letter to the American businessman 
You know, sometimes, dear friend, we, we are, I, think, I think that you're like I a lot. We are so familiar with this issue that we tend to, to become uh, 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 calloused and veneered and indifferent to it. And we, have, we should read some of this stuff again to remind ourselves just what is going on. And in this letter, Dr. McIntyre quotes uh, Professor Archbeast, uh, Archpriest, Archbeast, yeah, pardon me, I hope I don't get in trouble with the FCC. That was a slip of the tongue, FCC. Eh? Archpriest <laughs> Voronov from Moscow entitled Fundamentals of Social Ethics Under Conditions of Soviet Reality, Orthodox View. And he sets forth the uh, church's complete endorsement of communism and he claims, his paper claims, that communism fulfills the very essence of the divine commandment of love for one's neighbor. Now listen to this. This is the communist, uh, pardon me, Archpriest Voronov speaking, writing. I should like in this connection to remind my beloved brethren that as early as 1951, it was acknowledged in the letter to the member churches of the WCC, that's the World Council of Churches, on behalf of the executive committee of the WCC meeting in uh, Beaver that the motto of, of the communist society formulated by Karl Marx, to each according to his needs, from each according to his ability, is rooted in the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get it? A moral code of the builder of communism was proclaimed in the Soviet Union, this is still Archpriest Voronov, in 1961. This code includes the following moral principles. Love of socialist motherland. Conscientious labor for the good of society. Whoever does not work does not eat. High sense of the public duty. Concern on the part of everyone for the preservation and growth of public wealth. Collectivism and comradely mutual help, one for all and all for one. Humane relations and mutual respect between men. Man is a friend, a comrade, a brother to man. Honesty and truthfulness, moral purity. Think of that. Communism. Moral purity. That's why they can murder millions of people in cold blood. Simplicity and modesty in private and public life. Mutual respect within the family. Concern for the education of the children, yes, uh -huh. in communism. Intransigence towards injustice, parasitical attitude, dishonesty, careerism, and acquisitiveness. That's pure and simple capitalism, you see, the acquisition of property, of substance. Friendship and brotherhood among all the peoples of the USSR. Intolerance toward national and racial hostility. Intransigence towards the enemies of peace and the freedom of peoples. The program of the Communist Party, the Soviet Union. Now he goes on. Assessing these principles in the light of orthodox moral doctrine, we regard them as deserving total approval and support. Every citizen of the Soviet Union who is a believer can and is morally bound to include them into his own moral code of a Christian as its integral, organic part. At the press conference last Sunday, Dr. McIntyre asked uh, Nicodem, where was it in the Bible, where was it in the teachings of Jesus that he found justification for supporting, as he admitted he did, for supporting the communist government's program and policies. And you heard Dr. McIntyre give that answer this past week. He said, well, uh, Jesus teaches us that uh, Christians must oppose all evil, and the exploitation of man by man is evil. Therefore, Christians must oppose uh, that exploitation of man by man, and that's opposing capitalism, uh, that's supporting communism. That's the logic that he used. <clears throat> well, in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, the 13th verse, we have what the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Spirit of God, tells us about such men in clergy garments. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. 
Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Oh, dear friends, yes, we must fight communism because of its program as well as its philosophy. But we must also oppose communism, fight communism, because of its opponent. Communism has an enemy. Did you know that? Communism has a sworn enemy, whether we believe it or not. And as we turn back in the book of God to the very early chapters of the book, to the third chapter of the book of Genesis, and the 15th verse, we read that word of God to our first parents. Do you remember what he said? As Adam and Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit and had fallen into sin. And do you remember what God said to our first parents in the garden? And to the serpent, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Communism, dear friend, is a instrument of the devil himself. And God has declared war on the old dragon, the serpent. We have that in the psalm which we read tonight in verse 5. There were they in great fear where no fear was, for God has scattered the bones of them that encampeth against thee. Thou hast put them to shame, because God hath despised them. God hath despised them, beloved friend, tonight. And communism is the work of the devil. Therefore, Christians must oppose it with all their hearts because they are on the side of Christ and righteousness. In 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, that famous uh, scripture that we all know so well, as separatists we read, What concord hath Christ with Belial? You see, the Bible sets up Jesus Christ against the devil all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. James 4, 7 tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. In Psalm 119, verse 53, we read the psalmist speaking of the enemies. The psalmist says, Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Horror! Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked. Oh, listen, Christian friend tonight, has horror gripped your soul? Has horror gripped your heart as you realize of the enemies of God that are prating their communist foolishness, who are determined to destroy you and me, who are determined to destroy the Christian church and the gospel of our Savior? Has horror gripped your heart? Has horror taken hold of you? That was the testimony of the servant of God. Communism has set its face against Almighty God. It's the sworn enemy of God. It's the instrument that Satan is using to bring the world into bondage and slavery today. It's promoting lawlessness, as we know so well. As we read the testimony of J. Edgar Hoover, as we read this little book, Road to Revolution, written by this uh, young fellow, Luce, who was in the communist movement and turned away from it, as we see the communist attack on the United States and this whole Vietnam situation, I want to tell you, dear friend, I believe, I believe with all my heart that being a Christian patriot is a divine obligation in these days. And how few there are, how few there are who are ready to take their stand in this matter. The Word of God says that righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. There's another reason we should fight communism in this, in this matter of being a Christian patriot. And I fear that although we know about it intellectually and we hear about it, we read about it in the paper, that it really doesn't come home to us very often. But it came home to me this morning in a very significant way. I was out preaching in Coatesville, our Bible Presbyterian Church. They're without a pastor, as you know. This morning I was preaching there, and we learned that one of the members 
of the church had a 20-year-old son, and they received word this past week that that son was killed in Vietnam. I don't know of any of our boys in this church having been killed in Vietnam yet. But there's something about it, beloved. When someone you know, someone that's in your church, someone that's close to you, have received that unwelcome news that their boy, in whom they delighted, will never be coming home again. But he gave his life out there in Vietnam fighting communism. You know the problem in some of these little wars that we've been involved in, Korea, now Vietnam, they don't even call them wars, they're police actions. But they don't touch very many of us. In World War II, when we had over 12 million men in arms, the war touched us all, didn't it? And we all had loved ones or friends or close associates who lost their lives in that war, but not many of us have that experience today. But I want to tell you, when it's someone right out of your own church, a youngster, and maybe one of these young men in a couple of years will be in that situation. We don't know. Do you realize tonight, dear friend, that communism is killing our sons in Vietnam? While we have this Nicodem paraded around the country in the garments of the clergy, spouting his peaceful coexistence, telling us that the uh, United States are butchers and murderers because of their interference in Vietnam, doesn't that do anything to you, dear friend? Well, wait until one of your nephews or wait until one of your friends down the block loses his life fighting communism in Vietnam and maybe you'll realize the problem as it exists. And yet we pick up the paper. Oh, I have several clippings here. I'm not going to take the time to read it. It's amazing to me with the controlled news we even get clippings like this. But I clipped this from last week's paper, Soviets to Aid Reds drop Viet peace roll. Isn't that a laugh? And the article tells us that, well, they've decided they can't bring about peace, so they're going to continue uh, supplying most of the arms and ammunition to the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese. Oh, we are at war with the communists, but how few realize it. Well, God has commanded his people to fight. We read in the third Verse of Jude, that we are to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints. This is a command. We should be earnestly contending for the faith. And I believe that the enemy of the faith of the gospel, whether it be uh, apostate liberal Christianity or Romanism or whatever it might be in the religious field, or whether it be communism, must be earnestly contended against. Some time ago, a student at Faith Seminary was talking to me privately and he was telling telling me, you know, he said, uh, uh, separation isn't the issue anymore. This is at Faith Seminary, beloved. Some people have the idea that all you need is a diploma from Faith Seminary, and that automatically makes you a, uh, or makes the student a full-fledged warrior for the faith in the 20th century Reformation movement, but I got news for you. And this student was telling me, oh, well, the, the issue today is not separation anymore. That's not the issue anymore. We don't need to worry about that anymore. Evangelism, that's the issue. That's what we need to be concerned about. Well, there's no one who believes in evangelism any stronger than I do. But I want to tell you, the commands of God are still valid. And the enemy is getting stronger. He's not getting any weaker. And just this past week at lunch one day, Another student at the seminary, we were discussing some of these things about Nicodem and then the communist problem and so forth. And you know what this student told me? He says, oh, I'm not interested in politics. Do you wonder why I've taken the time tonight to try to challenge our hearts from the word of God concerning this matter of communism? I've spoken to you something of its philosophy, something of its program, and something of its enemy. Beloved, we need to wake up. Our young people need to wake up on this matter. And we need to enlist in the army of the Lord. God has commanded us to fight, to put on the whole armor of God, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. God has commanded his people to fight. But I'm so thankful that God has also promised us the victory. God has promised us the victory, beloved. For we read in that sixth verse of our psalm, Oh, that salvation, the salvation of Israel, were come out of Zion. When God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. And this was the spirit, this was the testimony of little David as he went out to fight Goliath, you remember? David said, Is there not a cause? Oh, dear friend, there is a cause tonight. It's the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the cause of our liberty to preach that gospel. And David went out against that giant Goliath in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. And he said, you cometh to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of Jehovah of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whose name thou hast defied. And David said to Goliath, this day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give thy carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Beloved, God has promised the victory to his people. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Do you want revival? Do you want to see the revival fires stir and move again through the churches of Jesus Christ? Do you want to see souls saved and brought into his everlasting kingdom? Do you want to see the liberty preserved to preach this glorious gospel? Then I plead with you, beloved, tonight. Be done with your lethargy and your indifference and stand up for Jesus Christ. Get busy in this matter, yes, even of communism. Christians must fight communism or be disobedient to Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee that thou hast called us to a glorious warfare and that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not sword and spear and shield, but they are the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. They are prayer. They are the preaching of the foolishness of the cross. O oh, Father, we'd ask that thou wilt enable us in these days to be about our Father's business, to be diligent in all things for the glory of Jesus Christ, that we might give the whole of our lives in making him known. And Lord, we pray tonight as we close this service, if it be pleasing to thee, that thou wilt forgive our sins, O oh, Father, that thou wilt heal our land and that thou wilt send us mighty revival again. For Christ's sake we ask it. Amen. Let us close our service tonight by singing hymn number 180. 180, Stand Up for Jesus. I kind of wanted to sing uh, Soldiers of Christ Arise, but I couldn't have find it in our books tonight. So we'll sing Stand Up for Jesus as a good substitute.